Hello, Batmites. This is Steve. Recently, Andy and I sat down with our good friends Nick and Zach from the Film Jive podcast to talk about the brand new Batman film, The Dark Knight Rises. You can check out the Film Jive podcast on iTunes and on Facebook at facebook.com slash filmjive. You should check it out. It's a lot of fun. They review films uh, every other week. I listen to it, so you should too. Um, just a warning, this review contains massive spoilers, so if you haven't seen The Dark Knight Rises yet, what are you doing? Go out and see it right now, and then listen to this podcast. Anyway, enjoy the episode. Who can do the best uh, Batman impression? Because I was thinking of having something at the start oh, where it's just like... Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have Christian Bale in the <laughs> I was thinking of having something at the start where it's I'm Film Jive or something like that <laughs> I think you should do it I thought that was amazing because Christian Bale is what, where is he from though Wales or no where's yeah, the trigger man born in... where's the trigger man <laughs> I think you're right Steve I think he was born in Wales yeah. okay so he's he's uh, trying to do or he's doing an American accent it's pretty convincing. Well, though, I, think I, been, I think Zach's been I think practicing. Zach was born in Wales, right? I was. Yes. <laughs> yeah. you know, famous... is pretty much the same as Wales. <laughs> another famous Welshman is uh, Tom Jones. There you go. This little facts. <laughs> so you guys ready to get going? Yeah, absolutely. I was ready. I woke up this morning ready. Nice. He, he started to try to jive by himself. and it's... It wasn't working. <laughs> you need at least two to jive. You do. Yeah, two minimum, I think. Absolutely. Four is a party. Four is the perfect jive number. When you, get, when you get six people trying to jive, that's when it becomes against the law and the police have to be called. It is. And in I mean the, the rock band, In the, the UK, it's, it's legal. It's still legal. Yeah, it's still legal. In the US, I think it's called 12, sting. And... I think 12 is the limit over here. Oh, oh wow. Wow. <laughs> See, that's, that's a lot of jiving. I don't even think I know 12 people. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome back to Film Jive. Today we're here to review one of the biggest movies of the year, but today we're going to find out if it can actually match that grand title and be one of the best films of the year. And so for this special occasion, I'm joined by my my own regular sidekick, Zach Robin Batonti. How are you doing today, Zach? I'm I'm doing great. Thank you, Robin. And uh, also, because it is a special day, we're joined by not one, but two special guests, our very own Batman experts. They are Steve and Andy from the Steve and Andy Meet Batman podcast. How are you doing today, guys? I'm good. Yeah, I'm doing well. Zach sounded very excited to be here. Oh, I'm thrilled. <laughs> He's just ready to go. That intro has soured me for the rest of the episode. He's like, I am no one's Robin. Spoiler, spoiler, hold on. What we're doing today, firstly, we're going to be doing a review of the movie, The Dark Knight Rises. Um, we are going to have plenty of spoilers, so do make sure you have seen that film before you listen any further. We're going to share our thoughts on the film, um, and then we're going to be uh, following that up with a final chat just about where we think the, the Bat franchise should go next. Um, reboot continue we'll see what the guys think they would like batman to where they would like batman to go next um so let's get into this dark intense and gritty podcast 
and start with our review for Chris Nolan's final instalment in the Batman trilogy, The Dark Knight Rises. Taking the blame for Harvey Dent's crimes, Batman was hunted by the police and thus had to leave the task of protecting Gotham in Gordon, Commissioner Gordon's hands. Commissioner Gordon finally brought peace to Gotham and it was enough to convince the Dark Knight that Gotham was safe and that Bruce Wayne need never put on the Batsuit again. However, eight years after the events of the Dark Knight, a new foe emerges and threatens to destroy Gotham. When this masked foe, Bane, proves too much for Gordon to handle, Batman must break his eight-year exile and return to defeat Bane from fulfilling his devious plan and claim his rightful place as a true saviour of Gotham. So, I think we'll start off with uh, our special guests. That was nice, uh, by the way. I like that. Oh, thank you, man. I worked really hard on that, you know. I spent all week preparing. So, uh, Steve, The Dark Knight Rises, the conclusion to Nolan's trilogy... What were your thoughts on coming out of the cinema? I loved it. I was pumped up leaving the cinema. You sound it. <laughs> I, you know, you know, I'm surprised this movie hasn't gotten across the board stellar reviews. And I guess a lot of people are trying to compare it to The Dark Knight, which was a fantastic movie, one of my favorite movies ever. So maybe people were disappointed that it didn't live up to that. I think it I think it did live up to that so i don't i wasn't disappointed at all i loved it uh and andy what were your initial thoughts uh, after you saw the conclusion uh, i thought it was uh, fantastic as well i actually i have to see it again to decide whether or not i thought it was better than the dark knight but i might have liked it more than the dark knight uh i really thought everything about it was really great and and for the most part everybody feels that way steve um and i feel like some of the more negative reviews seem to be more like nitpicky things. You and I already talked about that in yeah. a way. Uh, some of the nitpicky things that we've seen, and um, and about it living up to expectations of the Dark Knight. I think you'll get that no matter what, in any kind of like film series like this. You always get something like that where someone well, it's just not as good, even if they haven't seen, say, the Dark Knight since it came out in 08. So how could you actually compare when it's been that long since you've seen it? But in their mind, they've got it. Oh, that's definitely better. Uh, and Zach, um, what did you think of uh, Dark Knight Rises? Um, how many times did, did you guys all see it? Did you all just see it once? I've seen it once. Yeah, I've only so seen far, it yeah. once. Yeah, yeah, I've okay. seen it once. All right, I've seen it three times. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. How many, I, uh, has, how many when did it come out it again? It's like Friday, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Thursday at midnight. Yeah. yeah. I saw it. Um, I saw it at midnight on Thursday, and then less than a 12-hour turnaround, I went and saw it again at 12.30 in the afternoon on Friday. And then I saw it again just this last Monday. Um, so, Zach, I take you didn't like it? Well, actually, the first time <laughs> I saw the... Actually, no, actually, the first time I saw the film, I didn't. It was a very, like, sort of C-grade hmm. kind of movie. I okay. thought there were a lot of things that... Uh, I didn't care for. I was sort of. It, it's certainly not the movie I anticipated at all. There, there are things that Christopher Nolan does that don't seem like typical Christopher Nolan tropes within these films. But um, after seeing it the second time, I was. I became much more emotionally invested. And sort of my overall thought is, I think it's uh, very flawed and it's very messy, but it's 
kind of uh, comic book masterpiece. I think it's very ambitious. It's easily probably my favorite Batman film to come out. And uh, I think it's certainly the best of this trilogy with uh, Batman Begins a very close second because mm-hmm. um, I actually think The Dark Knight is the weakest of the three. But um, no, I, I thought it was great. Okay, that's it. I think we'll, we'll get into those uh, flaws you had with it a little bit uh, later on. Um, I personally was one I'm really curious about how this was going to work out just because after something like The Dark Knight, which... Also, on a rewatch, I'm not sure I enjoy it as much as Batman Begins now. But but the Joker is is so uh, iconic now. Heath Ledger's Joker, and I've mm-hmm. just always wondered how are you going to top that? Um, because Bane, from the outside, doesn't seem like a character that's anywhere near as interesting. And you're going to sort of throw Catwoman in there as well, and it just didn't feel like it it could add up to uh, the parts that the Dark Knight did. But I th- I thought it was just as good as the Dark Knight. Um, it was an incredible uh, ride, I thought. But I did think the first maybe 30, 40 minutes it were a little bit slow, and I thought it took a bit of time for the film to warm up. But the last hour was just brilliant. I really enjoyed it. And I thought um, most of the new characters were all really enjoyable to watch. Um, and I think I'd quite like to start talking about the new villain, the big one, Bane. And I just thought... Tom Hardy was was really impressive as Bane. He had he took a character who, well, we, we, his half of his face was obscured, yeah. and you could still just see so much going on in Bane's eyes. I thought he was incredibly menacing. He had some great lines. Um, I loved the bit when he was he met with um, with sort of a businessman, and the businessman said, "Well, I paid you a small fortune." And he says, "And you'll think this gives you power over me?" Whoa! I thought, I'm just with the show now. <laughs> I thought Tom I thought, Hardy was jiving. <laughs> I thought um, Bane no, was, was really, good. really great to watch. And um, I, I loved the look of him. He had this fascist dictator uh, style about him. And fr- from his the f- moment he first turned up with the really exciting plane sequence to um, to his giant fight with Batman at the end, I thought he was a really great villain for Batman to, to deal with in his final story. What did, what did everyone else think of Bane? Uh, I happen to like the character Bane uh, from the comic book. Not from the Batman and Robin Bane. That's the only the Bane that I book. care for. Okay, from the actual, like, <laughs> the comic books, he's kind of more of like a Nietzsche Superman sort of idea. He's incredibly intelligent and incredibly strong, which makes him the perfect foe for Batman, as opposed to where the Joker is just kind of like a, like, I don't want to say an intellectual equal, but kind of like uh, the flip side of Bruce's yeah. intellect. Uh, Bane is like his equal in both uh, intellect and strength Um, so I thought he was the perfect villain to end this series with Uh, and I thought Tom Hardy was fantastic Uh, he really uh, and I love the voice now whenever I read Bane because I went back and I read uh, Nightfall before the movie came out I started reading Nightfall again and uh, when I was reading the Bane dialogue in my mind I'm reading it with Tom Hardy's voice so that was just Tom Hardy that's... was there whispering in your ear, standing behind you. That, that's po- that's possible. But I was re- I was <laughs> hearing Tom Hardy as Bronson in my voice, as a matter of fact. No, uh, so I think from now on I'll always think uh, uh, Tom Hardy when I think uh, Bane, or whenever I read anything with Bane, and it will always be with that voice. I thought he was fantastic. Yeah, I, I agree. Think, it was awesome. I think the the voice is actually really interesting because whenever he speaks. His audio dominates yeah. all the other sound that's happening. It's it's almost like he's 
he's over like a PA system or something. It's really interesting that they chose to do that. Um, well, I, w- I actually think they had an issue with the sound um, earlier on in the production because um, I saw the IMAX prologue back at Christmas and I couldn't understand what Bane was saying at all. Well, I, I was going to say the the only problem I did have is at times I still did struggle to understand what he was saying. I think actually the moment you're talking about where he's a hold of Ben Mendelsohn, there there is some sort of line of dialogue that he says that even after seeing it three times, I still was unable to make out. Hmm. Um, but I think for the most part, he's he proved to be the best opposite opposition for Batman in this film. I think because he's presented as both an ideological and physical threat, um, we're kind of able to explore more within Bruce Wayne's character. And I do think for the most part, Tom Hardy delivers a pretty strong performance. Um, I, I, I think, I don't think Bane works so well in scenes where he's operating, operating on his own. I think the character is only really so strong when he's sharing a scene with someone who we are slightly more emotionally invested in like Batman. I think the two sequences where he's giving those big broad speeches are the worst and clunkiest moments of the film. Uh, To me, he's not the character that should be doing that, Uh, particularly the speech in front of Blackgate prison, which I think actually Tom Hardy's physical performance fails him in that moment. I just didn't buy any of it, but I, I do like how they incorporated his backstory and, and how in the end of the film he's really sort of portrayed as like this defeated defeated romantic whose mind has been poisoned by this prison. But um, no, I, I did really like him a lot. I, I thought he was a lot of fun. And obviously, and I'm sure we'll get into this, but the the first fight sequence between him and Batman is just – one of the most remarkable things I've ever seen, like in a comic book movie period. Yeah. I, so going back to the voice at first, I, I, I wasn't sure about it, but by the end of the movie, I really loved it. I thought it was perfect. And I've heard some complaints that his voice, um, I think Nick mentioned it or Zach mentioned that, that it sounds sort of like a PA system. It sounds obviously dubbed, but I think that really worked. Right. I thought it was great. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think it gives it, it gives him a lot more power. There's an intensity that's added to his character just with that sort of uh, audio decision. Yeah, and he sounds almost otherworldly, almost, I thought. Like, uh, I don't know, it was was creepy enough, but I thought it really worked well. And he had this unusual accent, which I think if he pushed it just a little bit further it would have sounded absolutely ridiculous you know <laughs> i do think that spoiling villain i mean it sounds silly at some points but i think hardy just about reins it in and make and keeps it a little bit more intimidating than stupid you know i i think the one moment there's in the opening on the plane where he says of course yeah that's that's <laughs> when i first got there i'm like eh, i'm not sure but no survivors <laughs> So it's kind of ridiculous, but, but it kind of works though. It, it grows, feels... it grows on you definitely. It, it, yeah, I think it's okay. it's really great in the actual first fight sequence, especially just sort of the things he's saying about being born in darkness and and everything. Like it just, I don't, it it just adds to me a, another dimension to his character, and it's sort of an interesting voice because it it's not the kind of voice you just expect to hear out of a character of his stature. Um, but what I, I do think is interesting that Christopher Nolan, after all the flack that he's taken from for the, the Christian Bale Batman voice, 
is still willing to kind of do this ridiculous voice and not care if people are, are going to criticize him for it. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I haven't heard many people complain about Batman's voice this time around. I think maybe people have just gotten used to it. I think it, he definitely takes it. it back from the Dark Knight. It gets a little ridiculous in the Dark Knight, but it, yeah. it's never bothered me. It, it makes sense why the character chooses to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's uh, touch upon the other major addition uh, to the cast, and that would be Anne Hathaway, who is um, playing... She's never actually called Catwoman, but she's actually called Selina Kyle. Um, now, I thought this was going to be perhaps the biggest obstacle f- for most viewers to overcome. I didn't really quite understand how you're going to stuff this character into this film and make us care about her at such a... When, when you know, there's much bigger things to care about as it, Bruce Wayne's final story. Um, but I thought Nolan did a surprisingly... A deft job of of slipping her into this story quite easily, not really explaining much of her backstory, and and making her an engaging character and someone that was quite um, enjoyable to watch and worked well with with Batman. And you didn't you never knew her true motives, although I'm sure you had an idea of where her real loyalties lay. But um, I thought Catwoman was uh, was a good surprise. I was quite impressed with her. I thought Anne Hathaway played a role that. I haven't really seen her do before, and um, and I think she had good fun with it. I just thought it would be a character that's so um, that is not the sort of character I could imagine Nolan really working with. But I thought he did a pretty decent job. Yes, yeah, so that moment in the beginning when she is um, delivering the food to Bruce Wayne, and he sort of catches her, and her face changes, and I think the music changes at the same time. That's when I really knew it was gonna she was going to work very well for that role. And I thought she did a great job. I think she's given the best dialogue in the movie Uh by far. And um, I actually think it's a huge sort of accomplishment for Christopher Nolan, because uh, up until this point, I've never liked any female character that he's ever had in any of his previous films. Women aren't a strong point. No, he's very poor at writing women, but um, I, I, I think she's, pretty near perfect she might be sort of the runaway performance of the film i actually wish maybe the film was not so big so that we'd get a little bit more of her but um i think something that's not really being talked about is she's um the film creates a very sexy provocative selena kyle but it never exploits her you know this isn't like something we'll see like scarlett johansson in the avengers or anything like that, where we literally are getting ass shots every single time she's on screen. We don't get any of that, which I think is a really big deal. Um, yeah. But, and and I honestly think she breathe her performance breathes fresh air into Christian Bale. I, he he seems to be having much more uh, fun in those scenes. So, I I was really completely blown away by her. Yeah, I was. I agree. I was surprised. Catwoman is possibly my least favorite. Batman character. I've never cared about her, and I, I thought she was good enough that I actually liked seeing Catwoman on screen and wanted to see more of Catwoman. So I was kind of impressed with that. Um, and then the way that he wrote, he wrote her an interesting kind of like a strong female character, which again, Christopher Nolan. I don't, I can't think of any other movie where he's actually had that. They're almost uh, always expository or yeah. like ciphers for the yeah. audience, you know? It's... Yeah. And I and I agree with you, Zach, that uh. Her presence, I don't know, it did kind of added something extra to Bruce Wayne. Not so much, I don't think, towards Batman, but definitely towards Bruce Wayne. Kind of gave him an extra dimension, I thought. Mm-hmm. That, um, I don't know. 
But uh, I was very, uh, I was surprised with Anne Hathaway, although I always thought she was good. I know uh, a lot of people I've talked to, not not you three, but other people are always saying, like, oh, I'm very surprised. I never thought she was very good. But I don't know. I thought she was good in Brokeback Mountain and some other things I've seen her in. So I never thought she was a bad actress. So. Um, and you mentioned Bruce Wayne there, uh, Andy. And I think this film is more of an examination of Bruce Wayne than any of the others. And it takes quite a while for for even Batman to actually make an appearance because I, I just thought the reason that these films I think have been such a success is because there's been a great story for Bruce Wayne in all three of them. Batman I would disagree begins... with the Dark Oh, really? Knight. I would disagree that there's not a good story for Bruce Wayne in The Dark Knight. Well, I, Batman I, Begins, I thought, had the interesting idea of just dealing with his parents, how to channel the anger he has and dealing with fear and all of that sort of stuff. The Dark Knight, I thought, had a good idea about him handing over the responsibility to a legitimate authority in Harvey Dent and trying to um, go and live his life happily ever after with Rachel. And I thought this one was really interesting, the fact he's just become quite reckless. He doesn't care about death anymore. Bane recognises that and really wants to make him, really wants to torture him. And the best way to do that is not to kill him. Mm-hmm. But to keep him alive, make him suffer. And um, I, I really think the reason these films have been such a success is because Nolan knew to target Bruce Wayne and make him a really compelling character. And I think he, he has been throughout the whole trilogy. And I think in this film, we get more focus on Bruce Wayne than any other. Well, definitely. I mean, I think Christian Bale, unfortunately, seems to always get overshadowed by someone else and people don't talk about him enough but i think his performance is the performance of the movie he's so nuanced and just perfect as bruce wayne and i think even batman to some extent in so many ways i think the scenes he shares with michael kane mm-hmm. um where alfred basically quits that moment is just an incredible moment between two really great actors i mean he's so still and quiet and you can feel his reaction sort of just bubbling inside of him. I thought that was really powerful. I mean, I think what I love about The Dark Knight Rises is how it sort of comes full full circle and really provides um, Bruce Wayne a satisfying character arc and what it's saying about, the stuff it's saying about legends and how he's coming to terms with the fact that Gotham still needs a Batman, but he it no longer needs that burden. No longer needs to be shouldered by him. And um, I think there's some really interesting stuff. I mean, personally, my favorite bits of the film are were the stuff in the pit, the prison. Yeah. Um, because especially because of what that pit represents, like as a metaphor, you know, being in hell. This is Bruce Wayne in the worst pop- possible situation, and how he can kind of rise out of hell and uh, become Batman, the Batman that he needs to be. I think the thing about The Dark Knight is it's Bruce Wayne dealing with the consequences of his actions, but it also becomes his need to become Batman is no longer about being a symbol for Gotham. It's about, it's it's much more selfish reasons. And here he, while in that pit, he realizes that he needs to become that symbol again. And I also love how that pit sort of harkens back to the opening of Batman Begins. Yeah. And uh, the idea that, you know, Bruce has fallen so far and now the only way to go is up. And uh, I just thought all that stuff was really thematically rich. And um, I loved everything Nolan was saying in those moments. I mean, I think 
Bruce Wayne is given a lot to do here, which I think sort of was lost in the Dark Knight and in the Heath Ledger performance. So what did you think of uh, Robin, Blake, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character? I mean, I loved him. I think he... I think they did a lot of interesting things in terms of like drawing parallels to Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. with them both being orphans. Um, I liked how they used him to sort of explore the events in the movies from a different perspective because essentially he's like the detective part of the film. Yeah. Um, and I saw a lot of Tim Drake in actually his character and sort of how he just figures out who Batman is. Um, but I I also love how they used him to finish – the Bruce Wayne arc because I do think and we're getting into the ending but Bruce passing on the mantle to someone else is imperative yes to Nolan's story now I thought the whole Robin thing with the line that the woman says was like that was total fan service in my opinion I but sure yeah, yeah. I, I don't I mean I don't think we needed that I, I still think he needed to find the Batcave but I think from what I've read, you know, no one has said that he wants these films to be sort of representative of his definitive idea of Batman. And I think Robin is a big piece of Batman's you know, story. So I think that character like Catwoman uh, is important to include. But I, I thought Joseph Gordon-Levitt was really good. Yeah, um, I think it's sort of obvious where his his character is going. Um, the Robin line seemed to get a huge reaction out of the audience I was with, but, um, yeah. Can I just say that it's amazing that everyone in Gotham figured out who Batman is apart from the commissioner of police? (laughs) (laughs) That, that's a nod to the, uh, 1960s series that Gordon is just really actually a horrible detective with a lot of love. He's a buffoon. (laughs) Yeah, really. Yeah. I didn't see Chief O'Hara in. Actually, do you know what? Maybe Matthew Modine was playing Chief (laughs) O'Hara. Chief (laughs) O'Hara. Actually, I like to think of the fat cop that's hat gets blown off the first time we see like the black bat plane. That's, that's Chief O'Hare, I believe. I was hoping the reveal in the he end. was on an egg tax collecting uh, route and that um, just happened to come by. John Blake's <laughs> real name would have been John O'Hara, and that's <laughs> that, what, would, that awesome. would have been the, that would have been the reveal. That, that from what I understand, that's what uh, uh, Christopher Nolan wanted to do, but Warner Brothers said it would probably get a triple X rating if they did that, so they they had to pull back. So, uh, actually, yeah, the the revealing his name to be Robin Blake in the end. At first I thought I wasn't I thought it was a little weird like why is it his name Dick or Richard Grayson? <laughs> but um I don't think anyone would have really gotten that. So Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm okay uh, with him calling him Robin. I didn't I think he's sort of a combination of all the Robins. Yeah. Yeah, he is he yeah. really is Dick Grayson, Jason Todd, and Tim Drake kind of like yeah. mushed together because right. when they kept calling him a hothead, that's obviously uh, uh, Jason a Todd. Reference, right. Yeah, yeah, or yeah, even yeah. Like the the moment where he shoots the two um, guys at the concrete, you know, and sort yeah. of the ramifications of that. Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought they did a great job with him, and I loved sort of his tie to Commissioner Gordon. I really liked a lot about that. Which um, how does how did you guys think? Gordon was used in this movie. Um, like me personally, I think it's Gary Oldman's best performance of the series. Um, there's the moment where he sort of, after the, the Bane has revealed to the city that the whole Harvey Dent thing was a lie, yeah. that all this is built on a lie, which 
I have issues with the way that the, the whole Harvey Dent thing is handled in this movie, but um, I think him sort of talking about how you know having a friend who was able to get his hands dirty, like I thought Gary Oldman was like jarring in that moment. Like that was really powerful to me. Um, but I mean, anybody that was in the previous films, a part of that returning ensemble, like to me, they all give the best performances mm-hmm. they have at this point. I mean, Michael Caine, Morgan Freeman, everybody yeah. was just at the top of their games here. Well, a lot of that I think has to do with, um, especially with Alfred and uh, Commissioner Gordon, Christopher Nolan gives both of those characters really such great dramatic moments mm-hmm. that these characters deserve that I don't think in any previous films before the Christopher Nolan ones they were ever given. And these characters are just as important as Bruce Wayne and Batman in the Batman history. And I feel like in previous films, before Christopher Nolan, they were always ignored. But Christopher Nolan really understood their importance, not only to just general stories, but their importance to Bruce Wayne and really capitalizes on that. And I think that's why in each one, I think that they, like Gary Ullman in each one, I always think, wow, he's so fantastic in this. He is Commissioner Gordon. But I think a lot of it has to do with what he's given to work with. Right. I would actually agree with you, moments. too. I rewatched the Burton 89 Batman movie, which I know you're a huge fan of, Andy. Um, it's awful. <laughs> but I don't want to start that. Um, no, d- during it, did you go, wow, this really is terrible. No, I will actually – there were some things I started to notice. But um, it's it's funny watching that. It's like Commissioner Gordon and Alfred are minor characters. Like Bob – the Joker's henchman is a more important is, character. Yeah, like Burton's more interested in him than he is those, and, those and, figures. But they also don't understand them because, right. for instance, Michael Caine as Alfred. His he under Christopher Nolan understands Alfred. Michael Caine understands Alfred. Everything they do is exactly right. But in Burton's eighty nine, they make Alfred really kind of a moron. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's <laughs> he's no Al Fred. I'm, no, no, he's not. He's no Gus, that's for certain. I mean, he's telling Take it, Vicky, take it what, easy, Andy. He's got McGregor syndrome, okay? When, when, when <laughs> Vicky Vale is saying, oh, so you guys are going out of town. Alfred's like, oh, no, we're not going out of town. That shows they don't understand Alfred. <laughs> that's the best line of dialogue in that film. By the way, I want to point out on, on the Film Drive blog, right, you put a what's your favorite Batman movie? Yeah, I was actually going to talk about that poll later on. But okay. The, the, I think the 89 movie still does hold. I'll tease I haven't it. checked in a few days. Andy's but... not going to be happy with the No, result. I already saw it. I mean, there, I, there were I, a lot of votes, though. I was surprised. I, I mean, I'll, I've, said this, I've said this before. Most people have only seen the 89 movie when they were a little kid, and they haven't seen it since. If they've seen it since, They'll know it's not good. I mean, I just I recently I watched it last week because I knew we were going to do this. Yeah. So I made myself. So I made myself watch it. My wife watched it with me. About an hour into the movie, she looks at me and she goes, "This movie is really awful," and went to bed. (laughs) And they got they got a divorce actually. (laughs) Here's the thing: I I watched it a couple days ago, and I want to get back to the Dark Knight Rises here quickly. (laughs) But here's what I'll say: is that. I still like the movie, but I will agree the plot is completely contrived and terrible. Um, there are some really odd, out-of-character moments for Bruce Wayne, like seducing and sleeping with Vicky Vale when she's completely trashed. Or when the Joker comes over to Vicky's apartment and he's there with the, light, uh, with the, the fire poker thing, and he's like, oh, come on, let's go. Bruce Wayne yeah. would never do that. 
I, and I also yeah. think the movie suffers um, because it's shot on a studio. Like the the scale, yeah. it feels very small. Which yeah. that that's not so much their fault. That's just they didn't have the means that they have now. But um, yeah, it's it's not. It's sort of like a childhood nostalgia thing that carries through me through that movie. That there's just really interesting moments, but altogether it is sort of a mess. The Joker arc makes no sense. <laughs> no, I mean. An hour into it, we're probably a, a little more than an hour into it. All of a sudden, he wants to be this famous artist. Right. Well, I mean, I, and you've talked to me before about you don't like the Prince music. I actually think the Prince music works because the only time the Prince music is heard is when the is Joker. Is when we're with the Joker. Yeah. But, and Joker wears purple. Prince wears purple. Right. They should have got Prince to play. That would have been awesome. Really? Yeah, I thought Andy was going to say... The about, that's the other thing about the 89 Batman. Everyone is miscats. Vicky Vale. Vicky the Vicky artist Vail. formerly known as Joker. Yes. <laughs> I thought Andy was going to say you were watching it with your wife, and she turned over and said, this is the best movie I've ever seen, and you were going to ask <laughs> immediately for a divorce. Divorce? No. No, she said it was awful, and I was like, yeah, it is. All right. We should get back. That's right, a, um, a little bonus uh, review there. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually... You guys brought up Matthew Modine. And um, I really loved seeing Matthew Modine again, like in a big movie. I don't, I'm not crazy about his character. Um, no, I actually he's a little bit. He's got, he goes a little bit missing in this yeah, film. I mean, how many times is he a hothead? Like, but um, I actually did think that his arc, his little character arc, was sort of interesting, um, and sort of I think was used to represent the overall sort of um, consensus among the police force or whatever in Gotham City, but. Um, what something that really stuck out to me was how Christopher Nolan's casting, how he's able to get like these really solid actors to play these very small roles. And it just like completely elevates the piece. Like uh, I sort of wrote down some names like Aiden Gillen, who plays the CIA agent at the opening and Tom Conti and Ben Mendelsohn and Daniel Sunjata and Chris Ellis, Juno Temple, Rob Brown, who people might know from Antoine Fisher is in this movie for about 30 seconds. There's also, that guy from, is in it. there's also that guy from Stargate. Yeah, William Devane's the the president of the United States. Oh, I did. I love that when he showed up. <laughs> yeah. I was like, William Devane, Rolling Thunder, yes. My, my favorite was actually um, Brent Biscoe, who was one of the police officers that sort of has all the really hokey, like, Christopher Nolan typical Gonna police. Gonna see a guy. big show tonight. Yeah, oh, you're in for a... <laughs> that, guy, that was Chief O'Hara, I thought. <laughs> it might have been. And then you even have, like, I I was yeah. a Dexter fan. You have um, Desmond Harrington, who's playing the guy on the PA on the bridge who refuses to let them through. Like, there were just a ton of, like, recognizable actors just doing these little turns just because I think they wanted to be in a Batman movie. Perhaps, though, the best casting was Lieutenant Dangle as the Doctor. <laughs> the doctor. Did anyone pick up on Thomas Lennon? Oh, I mean, Tom that, Lennon? Yeah. yeah. That's a callback to Memento because he's a Doctor in Memento, too. But um, I actually thought you were going to say the best one was Heinz Ward. As Heinz oh, Ward. Yeah, that was... So, I thought he was yeah. playing Burt Ward. In the fucking I, I like to think in the Nolan universe, Burt Ward is a is a black football player. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, there, there are a ton of other ones, too. But I just think, like, that really makes... Sort of gives the movie this cohesiveness that makes it feel even bigger. Because you have all these, like, little character actors playing, like, these sort of meaningless roles, almost. Um, but I think it just sort of gives the movie more scope in that way. But I really loved just sort of these little appearances by people. But yeah, William Devane was great. 
That's almost like all of Christopher Nolan's movies. Though, yeah. I mean, like Tom Berenger in Inception and uh, Rutger Hauer in the first Batman and so forth. I mean, he always has David these... Bowie, Prestige. Yeah, yeah, David Bowie, David Bowie in the Prestige. <laughs> I mean, we always he always has these great kind of like character actors in smaller roles. To me, though, in, at least looking at the previous Batman films, th- this one it was most recognizable to me. Like where it was literally just I could all these faces just. Hundreds mm-hmm. of them, um, which was really interesting. Um, so, what did we not like? Yeah, because Zach, it sounds like you loved it, and and well, I did love it, but like I can't. Here, here's the thing. Really, a fucking nuclear bomb like that is your big sort of no Prince music. Really, well, That's what... oh, no Prince. <laughs> the whole no more stay in the time music. The, really, the, no more stay in the time. It sort of the but the bomb thing sort of insulted me. Like it just felt. That's so typical, like, standard Hollywood action movie stuff. I mean, I also don't think... I didn't find the Gotham Under Siege stuff to be super interesting. Um, It's very clear that it heavily is influenced by things like Nightfall and No Man's Land, which are actually two storylines that I don't really like. But um, it just... There's a middle portion of the film that really drags for me and it is those Bane speeches I don't think the football field uh, set piece works that well and unfortunately I think that's because there's so much other stuff going on in that moment Mm. that it keeps cutting to other parts of Gotham exploding I actually thought the whole bit with Commissioner Gordon and Joseph Gordon-Levitt running to try to save him that was way more thrilling for me than the actual football sequence um I also think that the Talia Al Ghul reveal is atrocious. It is unfortunately this movie suffers from having a plot that I think is really predictable, especially if you're fairly familiar with um, Batman. But yeah, I agree with. I also don't think it helps that I genuinely think that Marion Cotillard gives a bad performance. Um, I think it's so obvious what she's doing and where her character's going. And it's also the sad thing that bothered me about it is that moment is a complete deuces machina. And I don't think I've ever seen Christopher Nolan revert to that. Um, it, that just didn't work. And also like she has to give this big like supervillain speech about the knife that, you know, is patient, the slow knife or whatever. And it just like, just blow the fucking place up already. If you're going to do it, like, I don't care what you have to say. And it's, it's also, it's just it was it was bad i just didn't i mean i like where where the motivations of her character like Mm -hmm. she's trying to fulfill her father's legacy and she's also just really wants to get revenge but i also think that moment somewhat undermines bane as a villain like now he's really just sort of muscle yeah Um, and and i think his exit is is far too quick um maybe i mean i i think it's I get why it happens that way. It's it's supposed to kind of finish Catwoman's character arc, you know, like she comes back, you know, and I get why it's like that. I do think, though, that the big fight with Bane and Batman, as great as it, as it, as it is, I think it could have gone on longer. Like, I wanted to keep seeing Batman just demolish him, like just finish him off. And then, it, and then the whole, where's the trigger, man? You wouldn't give it to a normal citizen. Like, it's just... <laughs> Whoa, whoa, whoa. I know, I thought how Christian did we Bale get, How did we get all like, these stars on the show? Well, you know what? 
this might be legal. Six of them. I mean, we have Tom Hardy and now Christian Bale. That's we're up to six, and in the U.S. it's not quite legal, oh, but in the U.K. Right. it's legal. So that's hopefully right. we'll be okay since we have Nick here. <laughs> but I, yeah, we can I say it's an international there. podcast, international laws. <laughs> yeah, I thought it tied the whole Talia storyline while predictable. I thought it tied it nicely into the the first film. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. looking at the bigger picture, it 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 works. Yeah. Um, I just don't, I don't know. Like it's it feels, it just feels weird to me. Um, like it, and her whole speech is just exposition because it's all it is is it's like, hey, I haven't been the villain this entire film, but I am now. So look at me for the next five minutes, and I don't know. <laughs> there were other things. For- there were other things. Yeah, that's exactly what she said. Um, it, it just it, it felt like it was there more for the audience than it was actually for Batman. Yeah, like I felt very aware of myself in that moment, and um, I don't know. It's I mean, going back to like the bomb thing, I think it's overused in standard Hollywood stuff. But I do think on an emotional level it worked for me because once they sort of reveal that this thing's going off no matter what and, like, people are starting to lose hope, like, I generally was like, oh, that's horrible. This is so bad. (laughs) And so – but also this is something I noticed. The whole Trigger Man thing, isn't that's exactly what the Joker fucking does in The Dark Knight. It's a little bit. It's similar. I mean there are triggers involved and giving them to different people. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. But – but I guess it works because he, there was no real Trigger Man, whereas in The Dark Knight there was a Trigger Man, and that's what caused the Joker's plan to fail. So in this right. one there is no Trigger Man, so the plan won't fail. Yeah, and I and I actually did really like the the child born in prison and how that turns out to be her. Yeah, I, I think it's yeah, I thought that was clever. Yeah, I mean it's it's not really shocking, um, but there was something I was listening to the uh, Film Junk podcast yesterday, and they were talking, they were reviewing this movie, and they started talking about. The moment in prison where Bruce sees, I guess, the dream or hallucination of Ra's al Ghul. Mm-hmm. And they brought up a really interesting point in that um, the flashback sequence with the mercenary, that's never made clear. That No one ever says that's Ra's al Ghul. And so in the hallucination, Bruce, Ra's al Ghul reveals that that was his child in the prison. But the problem is, is Bruce Wayne never learns that in reality. And so that's kind of a problem, especially considering the world that Nolan's created in his three movies. Like, he learns about the child being Ra's al Ghul's child from a hallucination. Uh But doesn't she mention it to him when he confronts her? At the end. So you're saying that that was a hallucination, but but how how could he have known? But he says before she is she stabs him when he's talking to Bane about, you know, where's the trigger man? Um, he says only Ra's al Ghul's child climbed out of the pit. And then she goes, but that's because he's he's like, I didn't escape. And he's like, and then he says that and she's like, because he's not Ra's al Ghul's child. And so he actually that bit of information is learned through hallucination. I just thought that was really interesting because it didn't dawn on me initially. Yeah, I didn't think of that. I'm not really bothered by that too much, though. Yeah, I don't know how. I don't know how how big of a problem that is. Because you could just, you know, I don't know. I mean, I guess that that is a 
minor plot. I just, hole, but I just it thought it was a very clever way of getting around the whole Ra's al Ghul is immortal fact by as, as suggesting he lives on through his child, um, which uh-huh. uh, Liam Neeson does. Mention, you know, I am immortal. I mean, I, I, I like that's all. why it was a clever way for Nolan to get around something that you know he wouldn't he'll he'll not really deal with supernatural elements. So I thought it was quite a clever way for him to get around that. I mean, I liked seeing Liam Neeson again. Like I thought that that was good fun, but mm-hmm. I don't think that that moment was necessary. Um, but can I mention uh, a, a problem I had with the the final moments of the film? Um, not the particular ending, but when Batman flies out with the bat in with the bomb. Oh my God! Are you really going to complain about that moment? No, no. Here we're cutting. Be- we're cutting between the bat trying to escape Gotham and Joseph Gordon-Levitt trying to put kids on a school bus, and it keeps. Cu- I'm very excited about what's going on with Batman. It looks like he's about to die, and we keep cutting back to Joseph Gordon-Levitt trying to usher kids onto you're, a school bus. You're a jerk. You're a jerk. That is oh, my on. favorite move moment of the movie. That is my but, but, but he's, put, he's putting kids on a bus. I yes. think it's just like no, a desperation the... thing, right? Obviously, he knows they're all going to die, but it's, yeah. it's sort of like a... That moment is... is the one thing I take away from this entire trilogy. Like, And then and then someone says, well, where are we going to move the bus? I oh, you're, are you talking about this stuff? Are you? I thought you were talking about that exact moment where he comes flying out with the bomb. Like, No, no, I'm talking about the build-up where okay. the, it keeps cutting to him just ushering kids onto a bus. It's just not very exciting. And then it cuts back to something, you know, them chasing the bomb around. I mean, the only thing I thought that was funny about that moment was, didn't we just see 10 minutes ago Catwoman blow a hole through another barrier? So if they really wanted to get out of there, they could all go out that way, I guess. But then they do show, like, an establishing shot that everyone is on this fucking bridge in Gotham City, so there's no way out. Yeah. But, um, no, like that... If there's one thing I'll ever take away from his three movies, the moment where Batman, where like Christopher, where the the building explodes and Joseph Gordon-Levitt's like, okay, this is it, get down, and like they've all lost hope, they think it's over with, and then through the smoke, Batman comes flying through with that bomb, and the kids like, no, it's Batman, like that was starting to cry, really start crying in that moment, like it gave me so much, like such shit, like I felt like I was five years old all over, mm-hmm. like it was like. Fuck yeah, that's Batman. Of course, like I thought that was, I thought that was great. What, like he realized he was watching I, a movie about Batman at that moment. <laughs> Wait a minute, it's like Batman. Shit. Like, it's like of course, of course he's gonna save the day. Like it's such a small, almost like gimmicky sort of thing. But I just thought it was uh, yeah, like it was great. It was so. I'm gonna use the word beautiful. Okay, Go it ahead. was beautiful. It really was. Like, that moment was great. I went there. I used the word. Um, but, yeah. Um, Did you, do you so, think that the so, end... Well, Go ahead. Sorry, Steve. I was just going to mention, we haven't really heard from, from either of you two what you didn't like about the film. If anything. Gosh, I mean, I've seen it once, but I was... Um, I, there are minor... I mean, minor plot holes, minor nitpicky things, like Andy said. I think, But I think people were very willing to jump on a lot of those things and latch onto them because yeah. the last movie a lot of people think was so good. I I agree. It's very good. Um, that they kind of were looking for little minor things in this movie uh, that fell short. I think, I do think that the, uh, the Talia, the stuff with Talia was the weakest part, but I do, again, I like how it tied it back in to the first movie it kind of brought the whole trilogy together. 
And um, I, so I didn't mind it as much. It, the plot was a little predictable, if you know anything about Batman. But um, overall, I thought it was great. I've The past two days I watched Batman Begins and I watched The Dark Knight. Um, and I'm going to see The Dark Knight Rises again this weekend, probably. So I do think I think The Dark Knight, for me, is, is my favorite. I think it's the strongest. I think The Dark Knight Rises is the second. I think Batman Begins, while great, I think it's the weakest of the three. But I don't really have too many complaints about The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, yeah, I don't, no, so yeah, I don't have uh, too many complaints either. I think some of the things are very nitpicky things that people pick up on. Uh, the tally thing, whereas I guess it's predictable. But at the same time... The minute she was casted, I was like, she's Talia al Ghul. So going into it, I already knew that's what was going to happen, even before the first scene happened. Uh, so I guess I don't know how predictable it was for me, because <laughs> I already knew beforehand, well, she's obviously going to be this character. Um, but yeah, I can't think of too many complaints. Most of them are like nitpicky things, like I said. Um, I don't know. I'll have to see it again to really pick out more complaints. I- I'm-, I'm too behind you, Zach, so... I need to see it a couple more times to really know know the complaints. Did you guys like Killian Murphy? I always love it when he shows up. <laughs> oh, I yeah. see. I didn't like that moment. Oh, I love. I, I hated love the whole, he shows up. the whole like, it looks like a fucking cartoon. Like all these stacks of desks on top well, of each other. That's that's one of the things that I liked about this one that I thought was so different from the first two. Is this one is the the most like fantastical and yeah. cartoony. Yeah. Of it's... the three. But, that I, mean, but I think it worked, from, though, right? I thought that's what. I, yeah, I like that about that. That the tribunal. I mean, no matter kind of... what, yeah, no matter what, Batman's going to be a little cartoony because it is. But um, I mean, he kind of went <laughs> more for for full fledged cartoony comic booky in this one. This one, it seemed to have more like one liners, uh, things like, like when um, just, I just thought of a funny moment when Catwoman disappears and Batman goes. So that's what that feels yeah, like. Yeah, like more moments like that than the other ones. I there are, there are a lot of those moments he, in the first two, though. Yeah, I thought it was interesting them. that he went for that well, more in this one, he, and I like that. He usually seems to explore that sort of lighter stuff with the Gotham police. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. he has such an interesting idea of how police talk. Like, they I remember, like, Mickey Cat, yeah. Mickey Cat in the Dark Knight, like, is that a bazooka? Like, it's, yeah, 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 he yeah, always... Yeah. They're always like really honky, like the way they talk. I don't know. It's like they're all might... honkies. <laughs> very few black. Yeah, very very few black cops. I think you got cops. the wrong kind of animal there, sir. Like I think it's... that actually comes from Nolan's love for Bond films because you look at like the Roger Moore Bond films. There's always like cops with stupid one-liners, like uh, <laughs> Sergeant Pepper. <laughs> Well, this actually feels a lot like a James Bond movie. No, I agree. I I think it does in a lot of ways. Uh, well, well I, how about um, actually, a quick I word? I thought it seemed more like an episode of James Bond Junior cartoon series. That's what I <laughs> James Bond Junior. Oh my god! I never saw. Uh, that how how about a quick word on the final final ending? Um, so just to be clear, Batman flies the bomb out. It explodes. Alfred goes to Florence for his holiday, and he sees Bruce Wayne and Selina Kyle chilling out. Um, did we, were we happy with that ending? I mean, I personally thought it was maybe just one step too far. I would have quite liked Alfred just to nod and, and then leave it and not, yeah. and not show us any. I thought that would have An been a bit, um, a bit more subtle. Yeah. Uh, I, and, I think because it's a Batman movie though, you kind of need to yeah, see Yeah, you have him. to have that. Yeah. 
Alfred was just drunk, is what my interpretation of that was. It was a hallucination. What was the name of that drink? What was the name of the drink? Does anybody remember? No, I don't. You're the guy who saw it three times. I know. But he was drunk all three times. A Fernie Branca or something. A spiked Yoohoo that he was drinking. It was Pepsi Max, I thought. That's what it was. It was Dr. Pepper 10, actually. That's a drink for men, right? Are we getting paid for these? And Alfred's a man, you know? <laughs> That's right, he is. Um, but I like the ending, actually. I've heard other people say they would have liked... Uh, I would have been happy either way if he would have nodded and kind of left it up. I mean, you know, a little bit amb- ambiguous. Uh, I-, I would have been fine with that, too. But I, I didn't mind seeing Bruce there. I-, I, was- I was happy for Bruce. I thought it was great. And I think passing the mantle to... Robin is great too. Mm-hmm. I think so much of what the movie's about is, and I think I've mentioned this already, but Batman, like Bruce Wayne realizing what Batman needs to be and returning it to being a symbol that anyone can, can be and not just his own obsession. And so like the moments where Gordon's on top of the, the roof and he notices that the spotlight's been rebuilt and and all yeah. those things like that that was clear to me that you know batman's going to keep, continue to live on in gotham but it's not going to be that burden's not going to be shouldered by bruce wayne and i think it's sort of it may not be the perfect ending for batman but i think it's the perfect ending for bruce wayne yeah i agree with you um yeah i agree okay it, well um well i I've... i wanted to no we have not talked about the Bane Batman fight. Okay, go for it. Well, which I guess that none of you really liked it that much. I mean, oh, I loved it. Which the first I mean, one I was were, fantastic. I preferred the second one actually, maybe just because really? of a giant operatic score yeah, and a yeah. war going yeah, around them. Fa- I thought they were both. They're great. both great, but I, I enjoyed the second one a bit more. See, but see, what I love about the first fight is that there's no score. Yeah, I, that's because, something. Yeah, I thought that was just really. It was great. Yeah. Because, like, 95% of this movie, every fucking scene has, like, big operatic score behind it. And it's okay because, you know, it's this big epic movie. I get it. Um, but, like, Whatever. I loved yeah, I loved all the, like, ambient sounds of, like, the water. Yeah. And, like, their fists hitting one Some another. breathing. Yeah, you can hear. Yeah. Yeah, like, I, I think that scene is, like, devastating. Like, to... I, I can't think of another superhero movie where you literally watch your hero like fail With his, and just getting his head bashed in, yeah, literally like fumble right? around yeah, to try yeah. to figure out all these ways to try to win and just like and he goes in it so like he's he's an idiot really going into that because it's not it's so an, unlike Batman yeah and really I mean I think a lot of it comes from the whole double cross with Catwoman I think Batman sort of expected to kind of go in stealth like instead of just kind of being thrown in like his first and reaction is to just start throwing punches, mm-hmm. which sort of is useless. But the big thing with that moment is for me is like going back and watching Batman begins where the action sequences are atrocious, where it's just like this muddled, like quick pace editing and you can't even understand what's going on. And here, like no one chooses to shoot those scenes like really simply, like he's almost, it's almost like a documentary filmmaker. He's just, the camera's just there, yeah, and you're just watching every blow, and a lot of it's tracking shots and things like that. But I think it's 
sort like if no one would have made this movie four years ago, that scene would have been a a mess. But no, it was instead, it was fantastic though. Yeah, and that's, like that's, you mentioned, the mm-hmm. beating of the cow, like, yeah, just hearing that crack like over and over again, like I I don't know, I thought it was like a really defeating moment, and to have that in the middle of your movie, <laughs> like and right at the middle, and just like this hopelessness where it's like, oh, Batman's fucked, it's over. Is I thought that was really bold. I thought that was a big deal. I mean, I think that other than my little five-year-old geek out with the little kid on the bus, like that's probably my favorite scene of the movie. That's I mean, probably, I mean yeah. you know, you know where it's going. You know he's going to break his back. But even just like hearing his back break, like the sound effect with that, I don't know. I thought it was great. Yeah, I agree. That was my. I think that's my favorite scene of the film. And uh, I don't. I. I haven't seen the Star Wars films in a while, but it kind of reminded me of the uh, like Luke Skywalker fighting uh, Darth Vader in The Empire Strikes Back, right? I don't, you know what <laughs> I mean? I d- yeah, it did a little bit, right? Yeah, in a way, yeah, in a way. And I think they're they're fighting on ledges, and uh, that probably had music, and now it probably has like a CG <laughs> animal. <laughs> it's it's a CG. It's a CG. It's all in CG just, now, so... Uh, I think George Lucas CG'd uh, Bane into the scene. Yeah, that's in the Empire Strikes Back. This Bane yeah. guy's popular. Let's put, it, let's put him in Empire Strikes Back. But it, I, and I don't know if you guys thought you know, Bane was a little bit reminiscent of uh, Darth Vader. I don't know. I, I, I thought so a little bit. Well, just because of uh, the, the mask. mask and, and, yeah. 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 Maybe a little I never bit. really thought of it, but yeah. yeah. The size. The size. <laughs> Both played by Tom Hardy. Right, yeah, yeah. He had a funny body, I have to admit. Oh my god, he was, he was out of control, dude. Those shoulders. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I thought his body were, was like perfect because you know, obviously in the comic book and in Batman and Robin, Bane is just totally cut. But I like the idea of Bane being more of a uh, more of like a mountain of a man. Yeah, he yeah. was just huge, right? He was yeah. a mountain. Yeah, he was like Everest, Mount, <laughs> Mount Everest. That was Bane. That is a mountain. Yeah, what I are guess. some other mountains? You know, Rockies, uh, Kilimanjaro, Alleghenies. The Smoky. I thought he was more like the Smoky Mountains. <laughs> Appalachian. Yeah, the Appalachian. Nick, do you have he, any mountains? He was kind of like a combination of all the mountains. Yeah, he was. He In was a way, huge. yeah, he was. <laughs> really. I thought it was. He was very, he was very snow tons. A lot of combos. Yeah, like, what did you guys think just, of the maybe the political and social themes in the uh I think it's bullshit. You, you're, yeah, not, think it's you're not biased? I mean, I, I see where people are getting it, and I actually think that no one may toy with the Occupy movement thing. But the whole, what I don't understand is like the, the whole Bane plot, like he illustrates that he says, you know, we're going to give the people hope just to destroy it. Yeah. So like in the end, it's all, everything's just a facade. And so, and it's also much more built on like revenge. Mm -hmm. And so like, he's actually in in a lot of ways, Christopher Nolan's taking those like political ideas and he's sort of just like, um, reversing them, like the, just flipping them on themselves, and also that can't work in a movie where the people in uniforms are actually the heroes. Yeah. <laughs> like you're rooting for the fucking cops. Like that's not how it works in those situations. Oh, I'm I'm thinking though when when they're having the uh, the scarecrow with the tribunal there, it kind of reminded me, maybe, you know, French Revolution type stuff, right? No, it really yeah, did, I mean, right? The whole Wall Street thing too, the the attack on Wall Street. That's very sort of French Revolution. It is. Yeah. Remember when you've read Tale of Two Cities? That happened. Yeah, which actually comes up at at the funeral. Gordon's reading 
A Tale of Two Cities. That's what the passage is from that he's reading. Is that is that true? Are you just... yes? Oh, no, that's see, true. I've read it, I mean, but it was a long time ago. No one is. is... No one's have said that A Tale of Two Cities is a huge influence on this movie. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Nick lives in one of the two cities, right? I I think so. Is it still like that out there? And Zach, you live in the other one, right? Isn't the other city Cleveland? Cleveland? It's about London and Cleveland. (laughs) I live in Wales. Where? Wait, where? Wales. He lives in Wales. Cleveland, Wales is what he meant. (laughs) The best city. I don't even know any cities in Wales, actually. That's kind of sad. Cardiff's one. Oh, okay. Well, I know one now. Did you got? Were you guys okay with how the where the time period that the movie starts at being eight years later? It's, oh, that's okay. I thought you were going to mention just the whole Gotham under siege bit because in that you every time there's a new scene, you need someone to say the bomb's going to go off in twenty days. Yeah. Like, next scene, the bomb's <laughs> going to go off in ten days. Yeah. I mean, then, he does and that. Eventually, Lucia, and eventually, Morgan Freeman go, turns up and goes, "It's going off tomorrow." By the way, eighteen hours. Um, <laughs> We have Morgan Freeman. Freeman here, too. Oh, my God. Yeah, we have really just good. broken the law. I think, I mean, he does that to make the story feel much bigger, you know, and try to give it a more complete arc in terms of all three films. Um, I think the the weird thing with the way the movie began was at the end of The Dark Knight, like, it seemed to illustrate to me that Batman would continue to fight crime while also warding off the police. Yeah and things would become much more difficult for him. So to me, they sort of botched that idea, which I'm okay with, instead of, you know, he quit for Rachel. I mean, but the film also makes a point, a lot of Alfred saying, you know, he stopped fighting crime, but he never stopped being Batman. He just didn't have anything to do. Yeah. And um, the thing that I didn't like is how they used the, the Harvey Dent legacy to like it, it opens on such a it, the film opens on that and it's so important to the rest of the story like the dent act and everything but when bane reveals that it's all been a lie like there's no ramifications for that like we get the one scene with just gordon levin and commissioner gordon and that's it and i feel like that is such a big deal that i feel like the people in gotham city should be sort of upset about that i thought they and were like, right that's thought... that's one yeah that's didn't, one they, problem uh, I didn't have. they take over the city then <laughs> the one, one problem i have is that you don't really get a great insight into what the people of gotham are thinking um during this whole event yeah i mean yes we have the extremists and we see plenty of them but what is the average citizen actually thinking about the fact that their city is under siege, they yeah. cannot escape, Batman dies for them. We don't really get to see what they think about it, just because we don't have the time. Yeah. Um, and I th- that, that suffers a little bit, because Gotham is such an important part in this film more than any other, and you don't really get to see what they think of, of what's going on. We we got the one African-American gentleman in Jinko jeans hugging his wife. That was about it, though. That's what, that's, that's what we got. <laughs> right? But... <laughs> That's what, no, like I feel that's like what I'm taking away from this. The dent thing, that's all I remember. That's all I remember from this movie. The, what else the dent, happened? The dent thing, though, like I can't believe the other police officers that aren't underground are not upset with Gordon about it. I thought they were all underground. Besides, well, like that's sort of Gordon. silly to me too. Like with the police, all the police, three thousand men will stay buried underground. But for this six is months. again, it's a nod Good, to the, the tax. Let's send every single cop underground. Yeah. 
But that's just something that Gordon would do, right? That's that's the the nineteen. Oh yeah, because he wanted him out. Yeah. yeah, he wanted him out. He wanted to get to the mask of man. <laughs> the bean. Anyway, I think we better start um, bringing this to a close. <laughs> People are getting <laughs> bored now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I want to go around the room quickly and get uh, Jive Turkey ratings. Because we're all in the same room. Yeah, of course yeah. we are. We all came, we all travelled to the same room for this. The we're rooms. We want room. to go around the rooms. This is a, the largest room ever assembled, possibly. <laughs> so um, let's start with Steve then. Dark Knight Rises. Oh how many Jive Turkey out of five are you going to give it? Out of five, I give it out uh, of five. Can I do halves? Of yeah, course. halves, quarters, thirds, whatever. Oh, you want. no, no quarters, no quarters. Then it just you becomes an arbitrary any scale that I want it to be. I give yeah. it four out of five. Only four, okay. Wow. I was gonna give it four and a half. You're, I've, I don't know. I didn't think about it too much. I like it hey, a lot. No, we're not, we're four and a half. Peer pressure here. Four and a four half. I, I'm bumping it up. No, right. I changed it. Four. And Andy, how many for you? Uh, I'm gonna go off the uh, combine the film jive and pitchfork media uh, things. So I'm gonna give it uh, like. 4.98 uh, Jive Turkeys. What's what's the 0.2% that's holding you back? I think uh, that's, I just, that's just Turkey Wing. I think. That, that, those are just Turkey Wing. No, I'd, I'll give it five. Five Jivers. Five Jivers. <laughs> oh, we got a new rating system here. We've gone from Jive Turkeys <laughs> to just Jivers. Gone off the <laughs> How many Jivers do you give us? I, like I like to call my Jive Turkeys Jivers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're I, I, turkeys, are Jivers so. like little midgets? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that what you guys we call our fans Batmites and and it's the Batmites? Oh, you're right? <laughs> right. yeah. um, uh, Zach, how many jive turkeys for you? I mean, I I said that there were a lot of I had problems with the movie, but I think like its positives far outweigh its negatives for me, and I just think it's a great end to a very special era in Batman movies, and I'm going to give it five out of five jive turkeys. Or five out of five jivers. Well, I should have. That's more, that's more that's like it. I, should have done that. <laughs> I thought Zach was going to give it like a three. I I need no. to calibrate my scale again. <laughs> now, Steve, Steve, you're the guy who didn't like it. Apparently, you've given I it. Yes, I hate this movie now. All right, let's, I want to see what um, Nick and, says. And <laughs> I personally just think it's a great conclusion. It brings everything in full circle, even down to like the music mirrors yeah, the music what you've great. seen in the past. Oh, uh, Hans Zimmer's so- score is bananas. Yeah, So I will be giving this five bananas. Out of five, five. I gotta raise mine now. I like that Steve is like the one dissenting voice. I just hate this movie. I need like five jivers equals ten jive turkeys. That's the thing. Yeah. What did you guys think of the one thing I really thought they should have brought Halle Berry in as a Catwoman? Catwoman's mentor. Yeah. I think maybe we should do a, a, a bonus episode reviewing Catwoman. I've never, I've seen, never seen that movie. Let's do it. We should. Okay. Oh, I've watched people, either. That's what people have to look forward to. You heard it here. Someday in the next year, we're going to do a bonus episode talking about Catwoman with Halle Berry. And, is Sharon Stone in that one, too? Yeah, she's the yeah. villain. Oh, she's a villain who's put so much makeup on her face that it's become rock hard. And you can't... I think that's... No, I'm... The thing about the Catwoman movie, I think it has something to do with a uh, like a makeup company. Mm. Okay, well let's not spoil it. Yeah, he runs makeup company. 
Benjamin Bratt is in it too. It's again derailed. And doesn't he play Bruce Wayne in the movie? I think he should for the next one, whatever the next Batman movie is. It's been and yes, good transition there, Zach. Because just quickly, gents, what do we think um, they should do next? Do we want a film with Joseph Gordon-Levitt next, or do we want to start again? I mean, I, I saw Spider-Man recently. Rebooting it, I don't think is a very good idea. Yeah. Um, so, what should they do next, guy? What do we think? I think it's time to head to Londinium. Oh my god! Oh, Joseph yes. Gordon-Levitt goes to London. I think that's a good idea. I uh, know. I would. Li- I would like to see another movie with Joseph uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um, I would be fine with that. I. I don't know if it would be great. I don't know. I, I would go see it. I might give it four out of five. I don't know. <laughs> that way, if they actually did that, then you could actually turn Batman into a James Bond sort of thing, where every X amount of movies they can change the actor. Yeah, that would, I would be happy with that. I like Batman enough that. So you could live without Bruce Wayne then. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah could. I could. I could. My my favorite moment in Batman history with the comic books, for me personally, is when Dick Grayson became Batman. In, uh, that is my personal favorite moment ever in Batman is when Dick Grayson became Batman in uh, Battle for the Cow number three. Mm. So, well, I'm a big Grant Morrison guy, but uh, Dick Grayson is my second favorite character with the Batman. So. Following someone else as Batman other than Bruce Wayne is fine with me. I don't think that'll happen, though. I just – I don't think that'll happen. There's no – I just don't see how – why – I don't see Warner Brothers doing that. I don't either. But... Um, what would you like them to do, though, Zach? What I mean, would I you do if it was – If you were Warner brother, Zach, If you were you Je- Joseph Warner. <laughs> if you were Warner, Warner brother, Zach. what would you do? Zach Warner. Zach Warner. Well, I'd what come up with some sort of jive villain. To have Obviously, on. the jivest villain is King Tut. He, might, so. he could borrow my jive pants. <laughs> that is true. King Tut is the jivest villain. So, but, um, basically, King Tut takes over London. Joseph Gordon-Levitt comes to save the he has day. To come and save it. Exactly. I'd see. I it. think. I think what they will do and what I want them to do are two completely different things. I think they'll reboot it. I don't think Joseph uh, Gordon-Levitt will be in the movie. Um, I, I, I think we'll see another one in the next five years i think um there's also the possibility that maybe they'll wait till they can get a justice league movie made and they may sort of take that batman and run with him out of that movie if that happens um i mean i i kind of agree i think i'd like to see maybe more of a james bond approach where you kind of just get one-off adventures for a little while and maybe give maybe you know different Different people playing Batman. Play different. Him. I think George Clooney deserves another go. <laughs> no, maybe God, no. I would. Maybe if it's an, an older, older Batman, yeah. um, and he's not with Schumacher, but um, <laughs> who's still the the best creative mind behind it? Is this going to derail once again? No, when back? <laughs> no uh, but I mean, with different filmmakers, I'd like to see them. You know, kind of hand ask invite you know random different kinds of directors to maybe play with the property so you, um, would you would you direct a batman film zach warner or zach warner zach warner um what would the not, zach not, warner not, batman not, not film today. be like not today well tomorrow maybe, maybe I know you if got they asked me tomorrow ten, start it, you start they asked me 10 years from now maybe if they came up to you today and said zach warner here's a proposition for you <laughs> i do, do it but that's not my name come on it would it would take place they've got the wrong guy you just got to play along take place during world war ii that's what you would do and yeah. it'd be King Tut. Batman would be a fighter pilot who crashes on an island where Ra's al Ghul lives, and then he trains him, and he goes Ooh. back and fights Adolf Hitler and the Joker. 
because the Joker is a creation of Adolf Hitler. Mm, I like it. I like it. I like it already. Zach Warner, 2015, folks. You've heard the Revenge of King Tut. There's no King Tut even in the movie. Fine. This is this episode's turning into fan fiction. We gotta. (laughs) Isn't that? (laughs) Yeah, and and, yeah. I think now's a good time to end it. But so we've had. We've had, I'm sure Batman will be back one day, but at least we've got three decent films from Chris Nolan to enjoy for now. So I'd like to say thank you to Steve and Andy. Thank um, you. Thank you very much for joining us. It's been very good fun it's talking about uh, our favorite Batman again, once again. Um, are you going to let them plug? Yeah, of course. Please tell us a bit more about Steve and Andy Meet Batman. Andy, do you want to... No, no, Steve, you should do it. I don't. Oh, we just host a podcast. We talk about... Mostly about the 1960s Batman TV series. Talk about the episodes, the plots of those episodes, and other stuff too. Comics. Uh, Fisher and, Stevens. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. King Tut. I hear that George stuff. Lucas is going to try and digitally insert Tom Hardy's Bane into a 1960s episode. I thought you were going to say. Into I, I, a I heard he was going to do it. He was going to digitally uh, put a, a uh, Tom Hardy's Bane into Short Circuit 2, also starring Fisher Stevens. <laughs> oh, great, no great That's movie. such a George Lucas move. Um, he's yeah. going to say Johnny Five is no longer alive. That's what he's going to say. So that's our podcast. You can check us out, facebook.com slash Steve and Andy. Um, or we're also on iTunes, search Steve and Andy meet Batman. And it's fun, I think. Or boring. Either you're going to... You'll probably be bored for parts of it, but then you might say, "Yeah, no, it's not too bad." Would you? You're agree? Gonna think that's on the poster, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's it. I guess you guys, since we're also good, this is also an episode of Steven Enemy Batman. You should plug Film Jive. Go for it, Zach. Uh, you go for it. I I can plug Film. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh... Steve, do it. Yeah, go film ahead. Film Jive is a podcast about they jive about film. It's Zach and Nick, who you've heard. It's it's kind of like an episode of what we just did. Other episodes are like, are like what we just did now. So just jiving about film. You can check them out. What is your Facebook page? Film Jive. Uh, Facebook.com. You just, you just, no, you just have to put in Film Jive and it just yeah. shows up. Our just, blog is, uh, well, wait. You guys got to go run with this. Filmjive.wordpress.com. Dot com. Ooh, got it. Go there. Oh, should we reveal? We should reveal the poll results. Yes, you can go there. You can vote. I mean, but we're going to reveal the poll results of what's your favorite Batman film. Um, I'm going to vote right now again. <laughs> can I do that? No, I won't. I'll just do results. <laughs> um, coming in, 31.58 percent of the votes on filmdrive.wordpress.com. <laughs> Batman 1989. Um, the second in a. A distant second. No, not quite distant. Never mind. 28.42% of the votes. The Dark Knight. Um, next is Batman Begins with 14% of the votes. And then we got The Dark Knight Rises with about 10%. Um, tied at 0%. Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. So there you go. Other, How did the uh, ba- uh, 60s uh, move do? The That's 60s, where my vote went. 6.3% of the vote. And other, by the way, is zero percent. So, okay, there you cool. go. Cool. All right. Well, um, that's probably uh, the end of the end of the day for us, I think, here at the Film Jive. And um, thank you once again, Steve and Andy, for joining us. You're welcome. Keep jiving. And um, we seem to have lost Andy. Andy. Yeah, yeah we just <laughs> got. Andy just. 
You got to pour John with Adam. Well, thank you very much, Andy. He he would say thanks if he were still here. And (laughs) enjoy the Olympics. Have the festivities begun? Thank you. They've they've just begun. It's looking like there's a lot going on at the moment. I'm actually going to go and watch basketball and women's football next week. Oh, my God. I know. Enjoy that. Um, but yeah, so I'll, I'll give a, an update at the Olympics on the next podcast. I want one. I'm going to be listening for that. You guys yeah. should do it. I, I heard you guys are going to be in the opening ceremony, aren't you? We were going to, but a little problem with the Queen. Oh. Mm. I thought that. you... I, I, the plans were you were both going to run in with the torch. There, those, That was the plan. We were both going to be holding the torch running in, and uh, Andy hurt his leg. I hurt my arm. Oh. Isn't there supposed to be a battle between Lord Voldemort and Mary Poppins? Yeah, that's. that's yeah, I that's, thought that was Steve and Andy. I thought they were. It's top, it's top secret, though, Zach. You can't reveal that until yeah. the. Because opening when ceremony. I think of London, I think of Lord Voldemort and Mary Poppins. <laughs> I like them buying into their own stereotypes. I think Dick Van Dyke's going to be stuck in the middle. <laughs> Dick oh, Van Dyke, God. if he's not there, I'm going to be angry. That chin. <laughs> All right. Well, thank anyway, you. Thanks uh, for having us on. And Bat that's right. Thanks for joining us again. Film drive. All right, keep driving, do. guys. Will do. And uh, thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you very much, Zach, for joining me again. Yeah. Uh, and what's the next episode on Film Drive? Next episode, I'll be talking with Jim Laskowski from the uh, Directors Club podcast to discuss the um, time travel indie comedy movie, Safety Not Guaranteed. Ooh. And um, so I'm that should be that. exciting. The Actually, the episode's already been recorded, and I've Ooh. listened to it. And uh, it's good. It's good. Good. uh, Yeah, so listeners, you got that to look forward to. Thanks again for listening and keep on driving. driving.